Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each week, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and on our website at ProChoiceOhio.org. The program also airs each Friday morning at 9 on WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Enjoy the show! Welcome back to Parenting During a Pandemic. This is the second of our series. Um, If you haven't seen our last month's uh, episode, webinar on um, childcare, I definitely recommend it. It was a good conversation um, with representatives uh, Weinstein and Russo. And then this month with us, we have Heather Whaling of Gavin Communications and Representative Janine Boyd, um, who is a representative at the State House. Uh, and uh, we have Ashley, who's going to be my co-host. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Um, Heather, would you like to go start? Go go first. Yeah, sure. Happy to. So my name is Heather Whaling. I am the founder and CEO of Gavin Communication. We are Central Ohio's largest independent PR agency. Um, I'm also the chair of the board for the Women's Fund of Central Ohio and a commissioner on the Columbus Women's Commission. Um, and then I also am the mom of a seven-year-old. So I have lots of perspectives to, to share uh, coming into this conversation. Hey, everybody. So I'm Janine Boyd. I have the privilege of serving as uh, state representative for Ohio House District 9. That includes all of Cleveland Heights, Shaker Heights, um, co-founder of and co-chair of the Black Maternal Health Caucus. I am also an officer in the Ohio Legislative Black Caucus, uh, and I am ranking minority member on health committee in the House. And I'm an, a co-author of uh, paid family and medical leave bill in the Ohio House uh, as we speak. So I am excited to be here and grateful to be welcomed and with my people. Uh, so thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you both. For oh, time. and I'm a new mom. Sorry, yeah. I'm a new mom. You are. And the reason I forgot that to say that is because I'm sleepy <laughs> because I'm a new mom of a 10-month-old little boy. Ashley, go ahead. And if you'd like to introduce yourself again, you can do that. Uh, Sure, I'm Ashley. I'm also the mom of a 10-month-old, so I understand where you are. Um, and I'm the research and program manager at NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. So, yes. so um, our first question is, it's not really easy to understand the different types of leave benefits. So, uh, Representative Boyd, can you tell us exactly what paid leave is and then explain how that may differ from parental leave? Uh, right now, what exists in the United States, uh, as opposed to uh, most other countries in the world, is uh, un- unpaid leave. We have FMLA. Uh, that's the that's the um, typical uh, what's available, and so it's up to twelve weeks. Uh, you have to qualify. Um, most uh, service industry workers don't qualify. They don't make enough. Uh, if you work for a larger company, 500 employees or more, a Walmart, an Amazon, you don't qualify. Um, and, in, and still, it is unpaid. So you do not have any income streaming in uh, when you are on FMLA. That's the, the uh, American model. Certainly now that there, we find ourselves in a pandemic, there's been some uh, federal uh, uh, changes or modifications to pay and created a, a uh, paid leave, but it's very cumbersome. Doesn't uh, it's uh, reimbursable to businesses? And I know we'll we'll probably get into that later. But it's I just wanted to to point out that there is a, a slightly different model 
uh, currently because of the pandemic, but it's temporary. Um, no real uh, policy has been passed at the state or federal level to provide paid leave. Um, and parental leave is, is specifically for that. It's, it's typically for uh, newborn, uh, you know, a pregnancy newborn um, fam uh, families experiencing that. And, and it's, it's narrow, it's typically maternal and not paternal. Uh, and so you, uh, you leave out a lot of people right? You leave out a lot of families, you leave out a lot of uh, folks who are struggling to pay their bills uh, and who find themselves, uh, you know, new kinship uh, caregivers, new foster care parents, new adopted parents, which all can be very sudden, that can happen very suddenly in families' lives. And you leave out caregivers, you leave out people who are caring for those who loved ones who are aging or who are, find themselves ill, and especially in a pandemic, um, you know, you leave out uh, quite a few, uh, quite a few folks. So that's so. Those are, and in most countries, uh, they are it's they're paid leaves, and they are uh, more than twelve weeks. <laughs> we are we are way behind the ball uh, when it comes to uh, paid family and medical leave uh, for our for our families. Uh, this is a question for Heather. Um, Gavin Communications has been seen as a leader in paid leave for employees. Uh, so what policies do you have in place in your company? Um, and why was it important to you as a business person to offer paid leave for your employees? So we introduced Gavin Loves Families in 2016. That's our, our version of a parental leave policy. Um, back then, um, as I was starting to do research on the policy, it was when Facebook and Netflix and Etsy and all these tech companies were getting a lot of publicity for rolling out three, six, 12 months of leave for new parents. And I thought that paid leave was too important to just be a carrot in San Francisco, Silicon Valley culture or talent uh, recruiting wars. Um, and so we, I decided that at Gabin, in the absence of a national or statewide funded policy, I still had a responsibility to my employees to provide paid leave. So we provide um, 10 weeks of paid leave to all new moms and new dads at 100% of their salary, whether they give birth or adopt. And then we also have a two week transition period. I remember after I had my son, that transition back to work was really hard. Mm. I don't talk about that enough. Uh, and so we have a two week transition period also where in those two weeks, the parent can really design their day, adjust their schedule, however they need to, to help with that transition as they start to get ready to come back to work. Um, I, you know, in terms of why we decided to do this. So first of all, I just think it's, it's the right thing to do. So there's just the basic, like, I think that's just the right way to, to run a business and to treat employees. I also know it's good for families, certainly, and I've learned through this experience that it's also smart for business. We have seen as we're trying to recruit people and retain top talent, um, I know that us having this policy in place has been helpful in those conversations. It also mm -hmm. reduces the potential turnover costs. So a lot of times businesses focus on how much it costs to implement that, and I don't think we talk enough about the cost savings that you can also have by having a really strong paid leave program for us. Uh, we have found it to be beneficial um, for the people who work for us, but also for the business as a whole. How did becoming a parent change your relationship to the fight for paid leave? I started Gabin. I started my company in 2009. And then when I had my son in 2013, I was the first person to have a child. 
Um, and when you're a new company just starting out, you don't really spend too much time thinking about all the policies. You sort of just build them as you need them in those early days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I had my son, then our company grew from four people to eight people in that next year. And we had somebody on the team who was pregnant. So as the company was growing, we had to start figuring out what policies could look like. And paid leave was one of those first ones that we really needed to figure out. Yeah. So the last time Heather and I were on a panel, <laughs> I was not a mom. <laughs> But I had, you know, I had a fertility journey and I, and I, um, you know, I think about uh, miscarriages and fertility challenges uh, for folks who don't have paid leave and the trauma that's involved in that and the recovery that's necessary, both physical and emotional. Um, so I had already approached paid leave from that perspective and also uh, from having aging parents and being the only child and and a caregiver to them uh, increasingly more and and having some sort of flexibility and income to be able to care for their needs. So I had approached paid leave really from those perspectives before, but since having a child, and so my son, uh, we found out about him, he's he's adopted and we're, finishing the process um but he we found out about him labor day and then he was placed with us in early october so the first week of weekend of october but if i hadn't had that time i mean i can't even uh those are such crucial days right crucial hours um bathing feeding changing uh singing talking getting to hear each other's um, heartbeats and voices. And if you don't have the, if you don't have access to paid leave, how do you get through that? How do you adjust? How do you provide the kind of care that'll ensure this child's early development is, is, you know, healthy? And and how do you ensure uh, that you can feed the child at the same time? (laughs) How do you do all of that if you don't have the flexibility and, and, and income that paid leave provides. So yes, it certainly has set uh, me further on fire for the bill that we have. Well, we definitely appreciate that. And uh, I think you kind of just spoke to this, that like not every family looks the same. It's not give birth at 39, 40 weeks and take home an infant three days later or a day later. It can be, surprise in the middle of the night it can be uh, a couple weeks early it's it's there's all kinds of things that can happen in these instances I, I Ashley and I are lucky in that our organization of 10 uh, afforded us some time off after six weeks like we got six weeks I think um, and it's those they're critical moments and critical time and uh, I think we're I'm especially lucky because Nayral hired me at seven months and let me ha- let me have six weeks off when I gave birth so it's can I uh, just say this though really quickly I mean think about that though I would that shouldn't be an exception <laughs> you know I know this is, this is you, this that to me is valuing that's valuing life that's valuing a child is when you offer, you provide a, 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 an environment and a, and a policy that ensures that the child will come into the world with time to adjust the mother uh, and, the, and the rest of the family, time to adjust, everyone time to bond and, and, and get used to each other. 
and and fall in love with each other in a new way and 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 then move forward <laughs> you know i mean that's that should not be the exception and to me that is valuing life as of 2018 uh six ohio municipalities had enacted local ordinances requiring paid family leave or paid family and medical leave uh and columbus is a national leader in taking such action uh, what is happening at the state house to enact paid family leave at the state level? Um, Representative Boyd, can you outline what House Bill 91, the paid leave bill that you and Representative Boggs have, in have introduced, what it does um, and what constitutes a family who is eligible and how much leave would families be afforded? I've introduced it every General Assembly since I arrived. And uh, it, it mirrors FMLA, so it mirrors the unpaid leave that the feds uh, designed originally, but it's paid and it's paid because it assesses premiums. It's an insurance program and it assesses premiums uh, from the employee's income on a sliding scale. Uh, employees would be uh, able to opt out. Um, again, it's up to 12 weeks like FMLA, which, you know, is still uh, not as long as a lot of other countries, but it's, it's somewhere to start. Um, it is inclusive and not narrow. It doesn't, it is paternal and maternal, and it is uh, for adoption, foster care, and biological uh, family members of new births. So this, it includes caregiving, and then, of course, it includes the person. So when you have your own, when an individual has their own medical or healthcare needs, uh, and they need treatment, you know, uh, then this, this would apply to that as well. So it's a more inclusive um, program. By the way, Heather, I love the idea of a two-week transition period, and I'm going to talk to Boggs about that when uh, we have an opportunity to convene uh, and just have and you know, just talk policy and not politics. Um, <laughs> but I would like to consider that. I think that's a fantastic point. Um, so, uh, additionally. Uh, it covers everyone. It's, it's down to the small business and, and, and it goes up to the larger businesses uh, uh, that are not covered by FMLA currently, as I mentioned earlier, um, because those are the folks that really need it, right? If you're working at Walmart or Amazon, likely you are not full-time and you certainly are not uh, incurring a lot enough uh, to, if you get hit with COVID, for instance, to uh, sustain you know, uh, depending on how long you are ill. But in general, if you, uh, you know, if your child gets sick, if you, you get sick, if you uh, find yourself pregnant, if you find yourself um, in, in, in the, the position of having to care for a loved one who has, uh, you know, suffered a, a, a accident, this happens every day. You know, this happens every day. And to Heather's point as well, uh, you know, businesses do do this. There are businesses that do this, small businesses that would crumble if they they had if they lost their talent, right? And so they understand the 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 point of maintaining the talent that they find and supporting that talent so that that talent can return and they don't have turnover, they don't have the expense of turnover. In the in the absence of a state or federal paid leave plan, businesses need to leave. At Gavin, I've been providing 10 weeks of paid leave to employees who have a child since 2016. We're a small company. We've got about 25 people now. Um, if we can figure it out, I'm confident that other businesses also can figure it out. And it does require 
an alignment of values and finances, it does require a commitment to planning. The nice thing is that in most, not in every case, but in most cases, if someone's going to use paid leave, they probably had seven or eight months to do some planning. Um, so you can figure some of that stuff out as a business. It also requires a commitment on the business's part to prioritizing your employees' well-being. It can be done. You know, I think we're about to face this huge problem for working families, especially moms, who we know the caregiving responsibilities often yeah. still fall too. And I was hearing from friends and, and people on social media about the number, a surprising number of women who were considering or already had dropped out of the workforce because it's just not realistic to be a stay-at-home parent and a teacher and an employee and a caregiver. <laughs> um, and so I think we're, and especially now as more and more schools it looks like are going remote, we're coming up on this major issue. There was a study two weeks ago that said 27% of parents are thinking about opting out of their jobs because they just can't do it all right now. Um, and I think the last thing that, that we as a state or as a country need is a mass exodus of women from the workforce. Um, so in, in, in Columbus, we pulled together a quick working group. We had, we sent an email out to our, our early adopters of our pay equity pledge to see who was working on this and would be willing to come together and share ideas. And we pulled together about 40 companies last week and, um, we're going to have a, a deliverable that we're going to share out with other companies of here's what other companies are doing. Here's how we're all trying to navigate this from creative solutions like job sharing, allowing parents to reduce their hours, flexible schedules, things that we talk about, I think, anyway, when we're talking about how do we keep women in the workforce, COVID is now accelerating the need for businesses to embrace more of these solutions. So our next question is, um, kind of talking about the sandwich generation. And so those are people who are tasked with caring for the young children in their lives, as well as older parents. Yes, you kind of spoke about that earlier. Um, so what options are available for this group? And this question is for Heather and Representative Boyd, so for both of you. I think Representative Boyd probably should go ahead and get to this one. She's in the generation and I think knows much more about the, the legislative options that are available. I know in Columbus, the, um, the, paid leave, uh, the Paid Leave Act here that we have in the city of Columbus includes caregiving also, but um, that's just for a, a small number of people. So we certainly need broader solutions. Yeah, there's very little. I mean, there's, you know, uh, we have wonderful organizations, uh, Western Reserve, Office on Aging. We have a lot of communities have been able to maintain their departments on aging, but it's harder and harder. I mean, you think about how local government funds have been stripped over the years, uh, and now we've, you know, folks have had to make significant cuts to budgets because of pandemic, um, and uh, it's it's there's very little to to support. I mean, without paid family leave, uh, there really is very little to support families who are struggling between caregiving and raising a family. Um, you, you know, it's, it takes a village to not only raise a child right now, but it takes a village to care for a, a loved one because you, there's, it's just very little support a little bit of a pivot uh nationally and in ohio the majority of people who have abortions are already parenting at least one child 
um, related to the fact is almost two thirds of Ohio households are dependent on a woman's income. 85% of black mothers, 62% of Latinx mothers, and 53% of white mothers are essential earners or primary breadwinners for their families. The issue of choice and paid family leave is often seen as women's issues, but how do you explain that this is an issue everyone should be concerned with? Well, if I would start, I would defer to something Heather said earlier, you know, that if you, if we lose our workforce and, you know, the, the, the percentages are highly women, right? Women make up half the workforce in Ohio. We know that. Um, what happens? <laughs> what are we going to do? You know, what are, we talk about businesses, you know, all these, we've seen protests to keep businesses open or reopen businesses. Uh, what happens if we lose you know, a quarter or more of our workforce, if they decide, if 26% decide not to return to work or 27% as that one study indicated that Heather identified. And I read a recent study as well. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if it was two weeks ago, but there was another, an, an article that I read about the same concerns and, and, and that it should be concerning, you know, that we, I mean, it's already bad enough that we don't have equal pay for equal work as policy, you know, that's, that that's policy, that's given. That's not given. <laughs> it's not even a given that we pay people for the same work. So you have that going and then you have the, the, the possibility that, you know, because uh, there are those who have not believed that this pandemic is about them, <laughs> that is about all of us, uh, that we may continue down this road of having to keep things closed and people having to do more at home. And that includes raising their children, teaching their children, educating their children, uh, and creating an, or creating an environment where the children can be educated, creating the homeschool environment, so to speak, uh, like creating a place where they can go to school remotely and that is not easy work. I mean, and then to work, I, it took me, and I'm, this is, it took me probably three hours today to review an email before it could go out. Cause I had the baby and that's just one child, <laughs> you know, and he's not even walking yet. So there's, there's, I, you know, we, we kind of, <laughs> kind of, we set ourselves up for this. And if we don't learn from it quickly and, and pass policies that lift families up rather than burden them further through an already unpredictable, uncertain, scary, uh, and, and unimaginably divisive still uh, situation that deals with uh, a, a, a worldwide pandemic as well as other just issues that we as society face, we are going to suffer much worse than a um, recession. We're going to lose a lot more than has already been lost. Uh, when I think of businesses that have had to close uh, and uh, that are and those that are still making a sacrifice of not opening, uh, but to keep people safe. So this, we 
we have the gift, not gift, but sort of the benefit of having learned from other countries, we just have to do it. And, 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 and there's the only people stopping us are us. <laughs> so yeah. I think too, so I think to your point, I think we do need to stop talking about this as a women's issue. This is not a women's issue. This is an economic issue. Um, and, and like Representative Boyd me- mentioned, equal pay for equal work. Like oftentimes we, we talk just about the wage gap and I think we need to take it even a step further and talk about the wealth gap because that wealth gap is massive and that ability to have just a little bit of money in savings, to have some wealth accumulated is oftentimes that safety net that helps families. I mentioned at the beginning of this that I'm on the board of the Women's Fund of Central Ohio and we conducted a study looking at the gender and racial wealth gap here in Central Ohio. Single women own 40 cents to the dollar compared to single white men, which is terrible, and then gets worse. The wealth gap for single black women is two cents on the dollar compared to single white men. And for single Latina women, it's eight cents on the dollar. And I think in the last couple of months, especially there has, we have started to have much needed conversations around systemic racism. And I think that we as a country, but here in Ohio or in whatever part of the state you're in as a community, we need to continue to push on those barriers that are preventing women and especially women of color from building wealth because that means they're not able to build economic security. And that is not a women's issue. That impacts families and the economy as a whole. The lack of paid leave for for this conversation, the lack of paid leave in sick time is continuing to exasperate that wealth gap and making women that much more vulnerable, which makes the economy as a whole vulnerable. And certainly as, thank you, Heather, and certainly as Boggs, Rep Boggs and I have indicated in our two hearings, (laughs) or has been indicated, Heather, I think you testified too for the hearing. Um, The more we can address the wealth gap as uh, has been identified, the less people are reliant on public programs. So my colleagues often reference, you know, the reliance on SNAP or Medicaid, but if we don't provide them, provide Ohioans with an opportunity to uh, pay into a, something like paid family leave and have their own safety and start to build their own safety net and their own and address their own wealth gaps, then you, we can't say anything. Who ha- we can't, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> you know, you just can't have it both ways. So we can't, you can't keep, you know, cutting Medicaid or making it harder to, uh, uh, to uh, be eligible for SNAP. And then, you know, not do something like paid family and medical leave. It just does, it's shooting yourself in the foot, shooting the state in the foot, basically. What, like ideally, what, what, do, you all, what do you all want to see in the state of Ohio that, um, that has businesses and our legislative um, policies supporting? <laughs> I would like to see a statewide funded policy that applies across the board to businesses so that paid family leave is not only available to a lucky few, but is available to all of the workers in the state. But it needs to be, there needs to be a funding mechanism with it so that as a business, 
um, there's a way to spread out the cost and that it's not just me self-funding it for each of the individuals on my team. So we need a statewide funded policy. The colleagues I serve with or uh, the colleagues that arrive in the future all recognize that we really must, that we pass bills, paid family and medical leave bill like a House Bill 91. It has a, an upfront investment, but it provides long-term security in terms of economy, you know, growing the economy, attracting talent to the state, keeping talent in the state, um, healthier pregnancies and families, healthier children, healthier parents, and health, or aging folks would be safer because there's the caregiver can do more and have more flexibility and more time to help people enhance their own ability to move from surviving to thriving, to just move from surviving to thriving and not have to rely on as much perhaps public support or safety nets. That's, that's the promise that we sh should keep. So that's what I would like to see. All right. Thank you both so much for joining us. Um, and uh, we're hoping to do another one in August, hopefully on back to school stuff. We'll see. <laughs> Bye.